And wherever the flag rises over some lonely army post, there may be one man, one captain, fated to wield the sword of destiny. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. Welcome to episode 103. All right, today, folks, we are talking about a classic, a cavalry western classic, and it's called She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. This great and fantastic film stars the great John Wayne, John Agar, Ben Johnson, and Joanne Drew. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. Uh, that's not my department, sir. Slover. I am a podcaster. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got that. I got that clip. Got that. I love that clip. I love that clip. It's great. Let's drink whiskey. Hump Buffalo. You know, I'd have been down with that. Mm. Drink whiskey, hump Buffalo. No. Get drunk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, that would have been me. I've been like, sold. Okay, folks, at this point in time, it is just me and Mark, because our other very good and dear friend, Ken, how many R's are there in Roni? <laughs> is, um, yeah. He is uh, obviously holding court, and I have to imagine that there are just, like, tons of, uh, like, super hot serving wenches just all over him right now. So uh, he sends his regrets and his regards to all of our listeners and said that he would not be able to partake in this great and fantastic film tonight. Our other very good and dear friend, Jeff, and he does wear a yellow garter, Muncie, is probably going to be showing up later in the show. So at some point, we will probably hear a Godzilla roar and Jeff will uh, enter because uh, he has uh, some uh, prior engagements. But nevertheless, you've got Mark and me, and at this point in time, we will be running this show because we can. And it's a John Wayne film. Well, gosh, I mean, we've gotten so many requests to do a John Wayne film. And I asked Mark, because Mark is the uh, John Wayne aficionado of the Man Cave Movie Review podcast, and I said, which one should we do? And without... Um, hesitation or reservation he said we have to do she wore yellow ribbon it is the oldest film that we have reviewed on the man cave movie review 1949 right steve correct okay and in color yes glorious color glorious color it's not colorized this actually was shot in color in 1949 and for a lot of people who don't um Excuse me. For a lot of people don't realize that they actually did color movies way back in the day, uh, back during what we always thought was a silver screen and it was all black and white. Uh, just so you know, folks, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but, um, Clark Gable, the Southern hmm. Civil. Gone with the wind. Thank you. There you go. That was color, correct? Yes, it was. Absolutely. That, yeah. That was done in color and that was like yep. the thirties. Yeah, I don't remember the year, and also Wizard of Oz. Yes, it was very, partial. Both of those, and like this, very rich, very saturated colors. Yes, yeah, Technicolor, yeah. all all that type of thing that they did back in the day. 
And the reason they didn't do it all the time was it was very, very expensive. When you saw the movies that they did in color, like this one, uh, she wore a yellow ribbon, Wizard of Oz. These were major Academy Award winning type movies because you had great actors, great directors. The cinematography was fantastic. And the studios were willing to put up the bucks to spend the money to do the color movies that they felt would bring in the bucks. And they did. And this was one of them. And you can tell when you're watching this, this isn't the, the, the Ted Turner colorizing, which, because I hate that. When they colorize <laughs> move, oh, and that's a whole nother, I'm not even going to get off on that tangent. So anyway, that's it. So we're going to be doing, uh, she wore a yellow ribbon. This is, um, oh gosh, you know, I don't even, uh, I, I, I'm just going to probably just have to say, uh, it's one of the great westerns and, uh, of the period of John Wayne. And Mark, help me out here. We talk about westerns, and then I remember I was talking to Jeff earlier. There's westerns, and there's the subgenre of mm-hmm. the cavalry movie. Mm-hmm. And that's there is. And I'm just throwing this out there, folks, because I am not a western guy. Because to me, the westerns I grew up on were the uh, the Clint Eastwood movies, all the spaghetti westerns, anything with him, Sergio Leone, all that stuff. Those were the westerns I watched. I did not watch. The John Wayne, the John Ford type Western stuff, I, I just didn't watch them as a kid. And I don't know why, if it just wasn't on, just wasn't interested. But the ones that I always related to were the Clint Eastwood stuff. But as I have been um, watching more of the uh, the movies, the Westerns, I've noticed there's like little genres and subculture, I should say. There's more of the uh, different subgenres of Westerns. And obviously the cavalry genre is part of the Western thing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's part of the whole mythos of the West. Um, John Ford created what is known as the cavalry trilogy. And if you haven't seen See. it, I recommend the other two in the series. Ford Apache with, um, Henry Fonda and, uh, John Wayne, a great movie and, Short version, Fonda basically plays a Custer-like character um, and is a martinet to John Wayne's character, who almost reminds you of a younger Captain Nathan Brittles, who's the character he plays in this movie, and then Rio Grande. So Fort Apache was made in 48 and is black and white. Rio Grande was made in 50 and is black and white, and She Wore a Yellow Ribbon was uh, the centerpiece movie, that the tentpole or, uh, in in his cavalry trilogy. And you're right, Steve. There's a lot of, I think it really happened in the 50s and 60s. You see a lot of cavalry movies. But I gotta say that this movie in a lot of ways really has a, for, and it's 1949, has a dirty, dusty look about it. Everybody been out on the trail and as this movie progresses, right down to Joe Andrew, the, the female femme fatale. Everybody looks dirty. Their hair's a mess. The equipment's muddy. This this really has a gritty feel to it throughout. And I think it also is a pretty good treatment, you know, especially for the period of the American Indian. Um, I think there's a lot of respect paid to um, the American Indian, and I think that they don't play the uh, you know frothy at the mouth, crazy scalping savage routine. There's some interesting interplay there especially late in the movie. So I 
I find this personally is my favorite John Wayne movie, so I'm going to be very biased as we discuss this movie. But I think it's got some great actors, and it, it it's a terrific uh, period piece for the cavalry. And it takes place really like in 70... Well, it, it takes place during Custer's last stand right after, so it's 76, 1976. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they talked about that. They, um, you know, you've had some of that interplay with... Um, uh, brittle and the uh the top sergeant and mm-hmm. um i mean they were talking about back in the day when they were fighting at chapultepec and during the civil war so you know these are guys that have been in the army pretty much all their lives yep so you know this is an and brittle is you know this is the last patrol he's doing so um you know he's mandatory retirement he's got to go shall we introduce the movie with that in mind Let's introduce the movie. So we are going to introduce the movie with uh, the review of this great and fantastic film with the uh, special Man Cave movie review uh, synopsis of this movie. Captain Nathan Brittles, on the eve of retirement, takes out a last patrol to stop an impending massive Indian attack. Encumbered by women who must be evacuated, Brittles finds his mission in peril. Apologizing is a sign of weakness. Indeed, Mrs. Michaels, it is. <laughs> that's why I don't say. I, that's why I never say I'm sorry to her. I, I will never live to regret it. Oh, good lord! A great intro. Well done. Thank you. I, I I saw that, and the music had to play that music. That was great Love stuff. Love the music. Yeah, the music is fantastic in this movie. Oh, yeah. I don't even know where to start. This is one of those movies that, it's again, it's one of the oldest movies that we've ever done for the Man K Movie Review. This is 1949. It's old. So the acting is from that period of time. The music, from what you heard, you're going to hear a lot of that. It's a lot of that. Uh, I, I, I'm almost, I, there's a term for it. And, you know, if Muncie was here, it's a jaunty little march. It's a jaunty little march. Jaunty, and you have a lot of march music, and you have a lot of bugle calls, and you have some great, you know, great, great period music that they just brought into the, uh, in, into the movie, and I think it all works. It, it sets the, it sets the tone. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, when you brought up the thing about the bugle call, and I'm just gonna throw out the right off the bat, there is a particular scene when I almost had to wonder, did they actually have actual bugle guys out there? Not that they were overlaying the music. Those would be called buglers. Buglers. Watch them words. Watch Watch the grammar. Yeah, watch the grammar. There is a scene when they're, they're on the patrol and, um, uh, John Wayne, or I'm sorry, Captain Brittle calls, uh, uh, the office, he wants to call an officer's, uh, meeting. So he yells to the bugler to do the officer's call. When that guy started blazing on that bugle, that horse was like, get that shit out of my ear. Did you see that horse react? Yeah, I think, I think what you saw was probably a bugler, probably someone who knew how to do, do that job. Yeah. Like, because, yep, the horse jumped. Yeah, not, he didn't jump. That horse was Dander trying to buck him off, <laughs> off, buck him off the saddle. Cause I was like, 
And you saw the horses. They were not just the, okay, I'm going to ride. I'm going to stand here. Those horses were like, I really don't want to be here right now. Mm-hmm. They were, those horses were a little frisky. Mm-hmm. I kind of noticed that in this movie. All right. But anyway, let's talk about this great and fantastic film. Right off the bat, guys, I'm going to tell you, I am, I have not seen probably really many John Wayne movies, uh, from the Western genre. Uh, talk to Mark, uh, pre-show a little bit about all the movies of John Wayne's that I saw. And it was mostly all of his World War II stuff. Anything that he was in World War II, I saw it all. Can tell you every one of them, know them, great stuff. Fighting CB, Sanzo Iwo Jima. Oh shit, what was that one when he was on the PT boat? Great stuff. Love all that. Oh, the, um, oh, oh, oh. We were expendable, I think. We are expendables. Yep, absolutely. Westerns, I probably seen some as a kid growing up. Don't remember them. I don't remember this movie at all. I don't remember anybody in this movie. So this was a first viewing for me. And I will tell you right off the bat, I am not a huge Western fan. I like them. I'll go see him. It's not my go-to movie, but I'll go see him. Love this movie. I am going to get it. it. This is going to be in the collection. It's a great movie. Really, really enjoyed it. I like the fact that it was in color, 1949. You didn't see that back then. I mean, it. we, it, we talked about that a little bit, about the colorization, and it really enriched this film, I thought. You know what? I'm going to throw this over the Mark. This is his Ballywick. This is, uh, first of all, Mark is a John Wayne aficionado. I think you actually have a picture of him hanging up over your mantle, don't you? I, I have, I am in my office as we speak and I have a movie, this, a small movie poster from Rio Grande where he is one of the cavalry trilogy indeed. And that's in color, unlike the movie. So yes, you're right. I'm a huge John Wayne fan. Um, my father, Hauled me off to John Wayne movies in the back of the family truckster. We would go off with the, for anyone who's old enough to remember the Scotch cooler. Remember the Scotch cooler? You'd go to the drive-in and you'd pull up and you're too young, Steve, and watch a double feature. And usually you get two John Wayne movies. So I grew up with my dad watching John Wayne. So I love John Wayne and mostly his westerns. I'm a huge John Wayne fan and I'll just get that right up front. So anybody hearing this review, um, is going to know that I'm. This is big favorite of mine. I I own the movie. In my mind, this is his best movie uh, because he plays against type. He plays an older, wiser, not a pistolero, not not a sheriff. He plays a captain who had served in the Civil War, had served probably due to a reference made in the movie, all the way back to um, the Mexican American War. So he, being Wayne, plays a character who's a generation older than himself and really inhabits this role with a lot of, um, a, a lot of honor and dignity and grace. And I think this is one of his finest roles because if you're a John Wayne fan, you know, and Steve and I talk, you and I talked about this offline, you, you know what you're getting in a lot of movies. I think the searchers, this movie, to some degree, um, Hondo, if you're familiar with that, um, Red River and his very last movie, The Shootist, are, are somewhat against type. And probably, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking, a uh, movie set in Ireland and someone on, someone will face oh, me. Um, but, uh, a Quiet Man. Quiet Man, thank you. Another great movie. Um, are, are some of those where he 
shows his range, but I think this is an outstanding movie for him to show his range. It's a great period piece. I think it, it captures the period very well. And that is a credit to, um, John Ford being a, an equipment geek. I really paid attention and I wanted to see. And this will tell you the level of detail. Now, you know, uniforms and whatnot, they, they did very well with what they had for the period. But, um, Steve, I don't know if you caught this. The cavalry's carting around trapdoor 4555's trapdoor Springfield. Yep. I saw that too, because I thought it was a big deal when, um, well, the one scene we're jumping ahead is when the, uh, the, the gunslinger, uh, not gunslinger, but the, um, gun runners, the gun runners were, uh, you know, selling off the Winchesters. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so we're on gun again. Yeah. You know, and that's an interesting thing because, and, and I'll, I'll go off on a brief history rant, but you know, the Winchester, yes, you could you could blaze away with it, but it had about half the range of a um, trapdoor Springfield. So if you knew what you were doing with the trapdoor, and I've had a pleasure of shooting the rifle version, and it is a sweet weapon, you've got the range on somebody. And if you're really good, you can flip that trapdoor and drop a cartridge fast. So I was just impressed that, you know, everybody's carting around trapdoor Springfields and 45s, um, either Colts or Remington's personal preference. This is a great movie that shows the cavalry. It's it's set right after Custer's last stand at the Battle of Greasy Grass or Little Bighorn in July of 1876. And it deals with he is going out on the last patrol and many of the Indian nations, they're somewhere south of where um, Little Bighorn has occurred because he's talking about the Arapaho and some Cheyenne dog soldiers are kicking him up. There's a lot of medicine going on about calling the buffalo back, and there's a great scene referencing that. So he's on patrol trying to get uh, Joe Andrews' character, Olivia Dandridge, and um, Abby Old Iron Pants Alshard, Major Alshard's wife, back to Sudra Wells so they can, or to get them to the stage and get them out of here because there's going to be hard campaigning in the winter. And it's about his travails and the troops' travail. And I think this is a great character study. It's a great leadership study. I, as odd as that may sound, um, I think it shows leadership on many levels. And it, it is, to me, Steve, and I'm going to shut up after I say this, I think it has an outstanding ensemble cast with John Agar, Ben Johnson, Harry Carey Jr., Victor McLaughlin. And those are just to name a few. Many of these people, if you've watched John Wayne movies, you'll be familiar with them. Um, not to mention Joe Andrew as the attractive, I will say, female lead. Um, it, they all turn in top-notch performances in this movie, and so do the horse horses, because there's some incredible horsemanship in this movie. Well, that was something I wanted to talk about. That was the first thing I noticed in this movie is when you saw the people that were riding the horses. First of all, the horses just weren't like the you know the the kind that you're just going to, ah, I'm going to go ride a horse. These horses were a little frisky. I mean, they looked like they just maybe have been broken. And the way the guys handled them, the way they rode them, I mean, you could tell the guys that were riding it, there weren't really a whole lot of stump people in this movie. I think the guys that were doing a lot of the riding, <clears throat> excuse me, were really the ones that were acting. Uh, case in point was Ben Johnson. Uh, he played, um, uh, Sergeant, uh, Tyree. Not my department, sir. Not my department, sir. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I love that guy. And it was killing me. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. 
I was sitting there watching this movie because, like I said, folks, I have never seen this movie before. Don't think I've I've seen any of the John Wayne Westerns. I mean, I know I've seen probably bits and pieces as a kid growing up. I've never seen a whole thing. But I remember watching this movie. I'm like, God, that guy looks familiar. And good Lord, I know that voice. Why do I know him? And next thing I know, it's like, holy shit, that's Ben Johnson. And when I look back growing up, it's like, I've seen Ben Johnson a lot of movies, but I've seen Ben Johnson as an old man. Mm-hmm. And then you see him in this, and it's like, man, that dude was a stud. Yeah. <laughs> he had to have been beaten off Weber with a stick. It's like, good Lord. I mean, especially when he would take that hat off and he had those big-ass black curly locks hanging down. It's like, good Lord. And, and I say this as a proud heterosexual male. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm... Oh, he's a handsome guy. And he's he got is a gravelly yeah. voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a good-looking dude back then. I don't know how in the hell that guy was not. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, moving on. And, you know, just so people are aware, if you're not familiar with Ben Johnson, if you've seen The Wild Bunch, he was in that. As we said, he's been, he was uh, he was in the John Ford, John Wayne rodeo of a bunch of movies, Breakheart Pass, Bite the Bullet, Sugarland Express. He would do two or three movies a year in the 60s and 70s and 50s. He just cranked stuff out. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the thing that is, I think back then, when you look at John Wayne's, um, and I hate to say this, folks, but this might be like the John Wayne podcast, which I know for a lot of our viewers out there who have been waiting <laughs> patiently for a long time and have been flaming our Facebook page with like, I thought you were going to do a John Wayne movie. Here it is. So we're going to talk about John Wayne. When you look at his IMDb uh, filmography, this dude has been in everything in like every year since. Oh gosh, um, well, his first movie was 1926, <laughs> and his last movie was 1976. The shooters. Yeah. yeah so basically. Well, and the thing of it is, is like you look at the first, if you go on his, again, his IMDb page, I mean, a lot of the stuff he did, the first, gosh, the first probably, what, 10 movies or, or, or so are uncredited. Yeah. He's just one of the many in a yeah. movie. Yeah. He's one of the many. And then all of a sudden somebody just said, Hey, you know, that, that dude, we ought to get him in stuff. And then all next thing you know, he's in a bunch of stuff. And I was laughing. I was telling Jeff offline, uh, earlier. I said, you know, it's like the first movie he was in was called uh, Brown of Harvard. He played Yale football player on credit. It's 1926. I'm like, were they doing talkies yet? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure. Maybe, so. maybe. There might have been a few. But he was a football player. <laughs> I just cracked up because I saw him like 1926. And you look at a lot of the stuff in the 20s and 30s. Those are serials. Those are the things that my dad still remembers. You know, my dad's 80. Going to the theater, paying a nickel and watching these serial movies. Mm-hmm. Just crank them out. But, you know, he, he got his break and he took it. And say what you will, whether you're a John Wayne fan or not, he's an icon. He carved out uh, a, a special place in the heart of America, love him or hate him. And he stands for, you know, the thing, the reason I love John Wayne is 
You know where you know what he stands for unequivocally and pretty much the way he lived his life and the roles he took uh to my mind was the kind of person he was and I you know I I grew up with that and I think frankly I'm going to I'm going to get on my soapbox so pardon me I'm going to scoot it over here and step on it and stand on it I think we need more of this type of behavior these are the type of people who Say, you know, we have a hard job to do. We're going to lean into it and we're going to get it done. Um, no matter what. And we're going to take responsibility for our actions. And that's a great, there's a great scene in this movie between he and, um, Olivia Dandridge mm-hmm. about leadership. You know, I'm a man. Nobody else is responsible for this, the failure of this mission. And, and there are some great qualities that are exhibited in his roles. And again, folks, you know, full disclosure, I'm a huge John Wayne fan. And yes, you say, okay, well, John Wayne played John Wayne. And you're right, he did. But if you like the values and you like the characters, you're going to enjoy the movie. And and I, I think that that just still to this day, when, you know, they do polls and whatnot, John Wayne's name still comes up. He still resonates with people. Well, the thing that is, is that I, I look at John Wayne like I look at, and we talked about it before, you know, guys like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, these are guys that they're not actors. They're not playing another part. They're playing themselves. Yeah. When you hire, I mean, when you hire Al Pacino or uh, Robert De Niro or John Wayne for a movie, you're not hiring them to be an actor for a part. You're hiring them to play a character. Yeah, I, and I agree. As I said earlier, I will say, though, I think in this movie especially, there's an exception. You know it is John Wayne, but he does play somewhat against type. He does in this one. And like I said, I've seen him before. All of his uh, the World War II stuff that I've seen him in, it was, it was the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say he played a little bit. Uh, mm, when I think about Sanzi Iwajima. Because that's a favorite of mine. Sergeant Stryker. Uh, yeah, he's... See, that is more the classic John Wayne that I think of. Oh, yeah. Or John it, Chisholm or The Undefeated or any of those movies that were coming out in the 60s or 70s. See, but the thing that is, I never saw those. And I, like I said, my experience with John Wayne was the World War II movies. Because that was my focus as a kid growing up. I, again, folks... For the man cave guys out there, I will confess I am not a huge <laughs> Western type guy. Mia Kupo, Mia Kupo. Man, Maximo Culpa. Thank you. And, and I would say if anyone is wanting to introduce themselves to John Wayne, and, and I extend this to you, Steve, mm-hmm. watch the rest of the Cavalry trilogy, which means, you know, watch Fort Apache, watch Rio Grande. Um, the, those are, and I would say watch the searchers, which is one of, you know, I think uh, the American Film Institute considers it one of the top ten movies in Riley. So um, all John Ford movies. Um, and then there's all the other things that he made, like True Grit, which mm-hmm. is a classic, and Chisholm and all that. But I would say watch the Three Cavalry Trilogy movies and watch, um, and also Red River. But uh, um, The Searchers is also very dark, a dark movie. Mm-hmm. Um of a man haunted by his past and obsessed with what he believes is the right thing. And there's some interesting, you know, John Ford got a lot out of 
John Wayne. He knew how to direct John Wayne. And I think, and I, I'm maybe going off the beam a little bit, but I think you really have to give credit to John Ford, the director, who, if you look at his credits compared to John Wayne, oh my God, this guy um, cranked out so many movies, and many of them had John Wayne in them. But John Ford is arguably one of the finest American uh, directors, um, and he was he was a he was a cross grained son of a bitch. Um, yeah. Oh, just just he he had an attitude, but in a way, you kind of you kind of like him. Um, and if you want to know more about Ford and Wayne, uh, and then I'll shut up, Steve, again, because I'm going to go on it because I love this movie. There's a great book called John Wayne American by Randy Roberts and James Olson. It's about three, four hundred pages, but it's very well written. And it is an, it is probably the best biography on Wayne. And it, it deals with all of these characters and all of these people who are in John Wayne's orbit. Agar Johnson, Harry Carey, Victor McLaughlin, John Ford. So, um, if, if you're really interested in knowing about who John Wayne was and the world he lived in, um, pick up the biography, John Wayne American. Cool. You know, I, let's see. Other actors? Do you want to talk about other actors? One of the other guys in this movie that, uh, like I said, I mentioned earlier was, uh, Ben Johnson. He plays, uh, Sergeant Tyree, who seems to be the, the, he's not the top sergeant. He's the younger sergeant, but seems to really know his job. Yep. And, Again, folks, it's one of those things where I'm watching this movie and I'm like, God, I know this guy. Where, where have I seen him before? And it's like, oh my God, that's Ben Johnson. And I've seen him in one of those things where it's, I've seen him in movies where he is much older and I did not recognize him. And I had to keep reminding myself, this is an old movie. This is the oldest movie we've done on this podcast. I haven't done a lot of westerns, but, um, yeah, 1949, Ben Johnson was pretty young at this point. And, you know, one thing I want to throw out there real quick. This is one of those movies that when you go down the, uh, when you put it in, into the IMDB uh, search thing, pull down the actors. It is absolutely amazing. When you think about how many of these guys were born in the 19th century. Well, and you look at, you've got some other great actors like Victor McLaughlin, who plays Top Sergeant Quinn Cannon. <laughs> Irishman through and through. But oh, you know, oh, 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 oh. You didn't read the, uh, the history on him, did you? Well, he's a British, he's a British leading man, I should say, but he knows how to do Irish. Oh, yes, but. Do you know? Uh, no. Don't tell me it's not true. Actually, yes. The the actor that played uh, uh, Sarge, so, what was his name, Sergeant? Quinn Cannon. Yeah, that was uh, Victor McLaughlin. Uh, he was a rambunctious British leading man. And contrary to popular belief, he is from uh, Scotland. Oh, no. And if I saw Scottish as crap! Scott's in this movie, son of a bitch. I dug so deep. And I'm like, I didn't have to dig that deep. He was like, what, third on the list? It's like, oh, 
Like it, it was almost like the uh, the Scottish or the Celtic gods were like, here, here, we're just giving this one to you right there. So. Yeah, and he was in the Quiet Man. He, mm-hmm. he's classic. He, he plays the classic Irish character. Uh, Gunga Din was another movie he was in. Yep. But I think he was also, um, if memory serves, I mean, he wasn't just a an actor. He was a boxer. Yeah. Oh, you could tell when you looked at this dude, he knew how to box. Yeah. He was the first fighter to box newly crowned heavyweight champion Jack Johnson in 1909. Um, so he was a boxer. He joined the Irish Fusiliers and soldiered in the Middle East in World War One. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you're right, Steve. You look at these guys. These guys were were, were not people who went to Hollywood to get a career. And, you know, right out of high school, they they had lives. You know, uh, uh, we talked about Ben Johnson. He was a, he was a cowboy. Mm-hmm. You know, Victor McLaughlin. You know, he was a boxer and served in the war. You know, you got Harry Carey Jr. And no, folks, he's not related to Harry Carey from Chicago Cubs fame. Sorry. One, two, three strikes you're out. It's the old. Oh, sorry. Easy, but. But callback for Harry Carey Jr. and Harry Carey Jr. played played the uh, played one of the lieutenants in the movie, a movie we did earlier. Steve, he was in. He played Marshal Fred White in Tombstone. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. He played Fred White. It was one of his last roles. Fred. Fred. <laughs> Fred. I was just funning. I'll tell you what, real quick. Let's just talk about the the resiliency and the uh, longevity of some of these people. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ben Johnson. He was born in 1918, died in 1996. The dude was 77. He was the youngin. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Jan Agar, who played, uh, uh, he was um, shit. What the hell was his name? Lieutenant Cohill. Lieutenant Cohill. He was 81 when he died. He just and he died what two thousand two and he was born in nineteen twenty one. Yep, and he's 20. from your neck of the woods, Chicago. Yep, absolutely. Uh, then you've got Joanne Drew, who was hot. Oh my God! <laughs> you stole my heart. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I'm looking at her IMDb <laughs> picture right now, and I'm I'm just like in. Oh. Okay, she was born in Logan, West Virginia in 1922. She died at the age of 74 in 96. Good Lord, that was a good-looking woman. Mm. Then you got Harry Carey Jr. He was uh, 91 when he died in 2012. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, These guys, I tell you what, for this period of time, these folks hung on for a long time. Then you had, uh, well, Good Lord. You had uh, Mildred Natwick, who played uh, uh, the major's wife, Old Iron Pants. She was 89 when she uh, slipped the mortal coil, as they say. Well, Chief Pony That Walks, <laughs> who I love. Yeah, hey, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, hey. years old. And, yeah, he, not- and the other thing I give, I give a lot of credit to John Ford, too, is he hired Native Americans to play Native Americans. Right. And he was Chief, and his real name was Chief John Bigtree, but he played Chief Pony That Walks. And it's a classic role. That's a great little bit. 
it, it is an awesome bit. All right, but you know the whole story about this thing is it, it's it's Brittle's last patrol, and Perfect. he just wants to go out. He wants to do his last patrol and then retire, but then he has to haul a you know haul off uh, the major's uh, wife and uh, I'm sorry, wife and niece. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, the niece off to the uh, um, the Sudros Wells to catch the stage. Yes. And this is right after Custer's um, massacre, and we know that the Sioux and pretty much the entire Indian nation in that area are just on the warpath. Right, and the Arapaho have been kicked up by the Cheyenne Dog Soldiers, and they're they're going they're 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 going to war. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like, this is not the best time, <laughs> and he is, <laughs> and, and, and on top of it. She, being Joe Andrew, Olivia Dandridge, is playing both of his second lieutenants. He, she's, she's playing the femme fatale and playing them off on each other because she's teasing them both. Because she's a, she's a PT in this movie. Well, I'll tell you what, I almost had the impression early on in this movie is that she had the hots for him. I think, you know, in that, you know, that older man kind of ain't you sweet, I'm gonna, um, you know, if you were 30 years younger kind of thing, I might chase you. But that's an interesting point. I think that's what she saw in, spoiler alert, in one of, in Lieutenant Cohill, she saw Captain Brittles. So you've got this little love triangle going on, and he's trying to get his patrol to, to Sudro's Wells to drop the women off to catch the stage and also pick up his patrols. And the Arapaho kick up, and everything goes to hell. Right. Well, it's, it, I'll tell you what, we'll have to get to her when we talk about the irrelevant female roles in this movie. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people have seen this movie. Um, so I don't want to give too much of the plot away. Well, no, that's fine. I, and I'm guessing that they probably have it. You know, the, the, uh, the natives at the door that were like demanding a John Wayne movie. Yeah. I'm guessing those guys and they, they know who you are. <laughs> I probably have <laughs> probably seen this movie, but uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, yeah, we're not going to give a bunch of stuff away. The, like I said, this is probably going to be more a little bit of a homage to uh, John Wayne uh, movies and the westerns and that type of thing. So we're not going to give too much of the plot away on this one. Yeah, but um, to say decisions have to make, be made, leadership has to be exercised, hard decisions have to be made about what to do and it's a great study in command I'll, I'll say that again it's an excellent study in command you know mark i was just going to say if you're going to really kind of surmise this movie it is a movie about leadership it yeah. is about a guy who who he knows his shit he's not arrogant he's not foreboding about it and his men recognize this guy knows what he's doing if he says jump it's how high do this, do that. And it's not because they fear him. It's because they trust him and they have faith in him because they believe he knows what he's doing. Very well said. Yeah. And, and I just, uh, I, and, and that's what I, that, and that is what I got out of this movie. And he's got a train. And it's also a great example of leaders versus managers and what the difference is. And he's got to train up his two lieutenants to take over for him. And right. that's hard for, and there's a great scene in this movie 
There's a great character actor, George O'Brien, who plays Major Mac Alshard, mm-hmm. who has to mentor John Wayne's character about letting go. That when they come back from the failed patrol, and he has to tell John Wayne's character, um, no, you, you are not going back out. You are not rescuing the men you left behind. Mm-hmm. That is, that is what these second lieutenants are for. It is you, you have done your job and now they need to do their job. And that's a real interesting interplay about leadership and understanding when you have to turn over command. And, and there's a, there's a, if you watch this movie from the perspective of leadership and you're right about respect, these guys respect him. They will follow him because they know he'll get them through. Mm. Some of them may be casualties, but he'll not waste his men. He won't make stupid decisions. It is an excellent, to my mind, it's an excellent example of a, a very good movie about leadership. Right. And that's a good point. And I'm just going to throw this out as an aside. But there's one scene when this dude walks out. You're talking about the major. Mm-hmm. He's wearing that. You know, he's wearing his cappy and he's smoking a pipe. And I went, holy shit, Joe Spangler's in this movie? <laughs> I knew you were. You're laughing because you know <laughs> And Joe, yep. I love you. But I... Yep. Yep. It's the stage. It's the stagecoach scene. Yes. He walks up. He's got his, he's got his four-button blouse on, his little cappy off to one side, and he's got his pipe. Yep. I just sat there. I went, holy shit. It's it's one of our dear friends. It's one of our very dear friends from uh, the reenacting days. And, uh, yeah, when he walked up, I mean, I I literally dropped my drink. (laughs) I was like, holy shit, it's Joe. (laughs) But, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. This is a movie about leadership. It is about taking command. and, And you can see the heartache of him when he has to relinquish command. Yeah, yeah. He does not want it because you know what? This is his life. He does not know what else to do. Right. And, and the, and you know, it's the issue of these are my comrades. What am I, you know, you're all of a sudden going to get cut loose from the only thing you've known, like you said, but also from the only people you know and trust. Right. And wow. I almost have to think about when you're in that situation, when they see you, it's like, all right, well, this is my last day. I got to retire because, you know, I'm six years old. I'm too old to be doing this shit. But you're, you're thinking, you know, all these guys look up to you. They're counting on you. And, and you know, there's, um, without giving anything away to the audience, they, they do a very good job of giving you a sense that the men who are serving have, this is, this is the regular army post civil war. So it, again, much like the regular army pre-civil war, it is small, it is tight knit, and many of these guys either were in the army prior to the civil war or stayed in after the civil war. So they know each other very well. This is a fraternity, for lack of a better word. You mentioned that about guys that were in the service uh, during the civil war. I'm going to throw this out there, and I thought it was kind of interesting that they put it in. The scene with Ben Johnson and the Confederate funeral. Yep. I, I was like, wow, that's, that's that, kind of interesting how they did that. And it's very well done. It is very well done. And even, uh, the major's wife sews a flag. Yep. And if you notice, he's not, there's a scene where, um, 
John Wayne's character, Captain Brittles, addresses him as Captain Terrell. Yes. I kind of wondered, I'm like, did they flub up there? And I had to go back and, and watch it again. I'm like, oh, okay. I see what he's doing. Yep. Yep. Because there were Confederates who joined, you know, post-war, signed up, because that's what they knew. And that's a great little bit with Trooper Smith, Trooper John Smith. Uh, very moving scene. Very it is a very moving scene. And it's, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I was going to move on to our, our favorite scenes. All right. That's it. That's mine right there. That's a, I, I, that's one of mine. That's a great one. Yeah. That whole I, interplay with, from the point where, is it from the point where John Wayne says Captain talked to him? Yes. All yeah, the way. Because to, when they went up, because you don't really know what's going on yet. Yeah. Until they start talking. Because, uh, the, um, the stagecoach post got overrun by Indians and, uh, the, the, uh, the, um, cavalry, uh, he was the commander, right? Uh, Trooper John Smith? Yeah. He was the commander of that outpost. Yeah. yeah. He was the commander of the outpost. He had been mortally wounded. So, um, you know, Ben Johnson, uh, Sergeant, um, Tyree was, you pretty much figured throughout the show, he was a former Confederate soldier. Stayed in the army. You yank, I don't, I don't. Yeah, he refers to them as Yankees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you Yankee soldiers, and you know, and and you know that Captain Brittle was a Union guy, and he's like, whatever. Right. You're loyal to the Union. I don't give a shit. Right. You know, you're a soldier. I love that scene because it's paying respect. These guys still, even after the war, after the Civil War, just said, all right, you know what? We're going to swear loyal to the Union, and we'll fight to the end. And I just thought it was a great, I, I loved it. And I love the homage and the funeral at the end. That is my favorite scene in the movie. It's one of the two that I wrote down as my favorite scenes. It's a very powerful scene. My other favorite scene. It's kind of early in the movie when uh, Sergeant, uh, the top sergeant. Sergeant Quinn Cannon. Yeah, when he comes in to wake up uh, Captain Brittle. Time, sir. He's dipping into the water tank. <laughs> You've got a breath on you like a hot mince pie. I looked at that and went, yeah, that'd be me. I like that part. So yeah. that's where he hit it. So I, I had the impression that you weren't supposed to have booze on the fort. Well, <laughs> let's just say it was supposed to be with the sutlers. And... <laughs> but the best thing is there's, there's, a, there's a tip off at the end that um, somebody's been allowing that. Because there's a little tip. How, how long have you known? <laughs> yeah. Not to give anything more away. Um, yeah. But yeah. Sergeant Quinn Cannon likes his drink. Let's just say that. Every and, and any opportunity he can get. Yeah, that's a great scene. Yeah. The other thing in this movie is if you're not paying attention, there's some little throwaway scenes or, or little giveaways about personalities. There's some interesting bits, and I don't know if you caught it, Steve, and it, it happens early in that movie. And John Wayne does a great bit. You see him flexing the fingers in his hand and stretching out his knee. And this is a guy who's been on hard campaign, and arthritis is bothering him. Oh, yeah. Right? Those are neat little personality quirks that, whether the director told him to do it or Wayne decided to do it, they give the character flavor. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. I saw that too. When he first walked out and he's like, he's doing the stretching and all that. I'm like, Oh, yep. Cavalry dude. Yep. And having to ride side saddle is a woman. Side saddle rally? Side saddle, sir. <laughs> really? Wow. Um, I mean, like you, I love the Trooper Smith scene. That's one of my favorites. But the other one is the final review of the troops. Oh yeah. Where he gets the pocket watch. He can't go out on patrol and he comes out and he gets his pocket watch from his men. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give anything away, but there, the one thing that I love about that scene is on his blouse is a medal of honor. Yeah. He, and it's, I think I'd have to go back and check, but it looked to me to be period appropriate to either Indian war or civil war because they changed a number of times. But it looks to be period appropriate, but he's wearing the Medal of Honor. That scene is just, it, it just chokes me up because he pulls his glasses out and he reads the sentiment on the watch. It, like the scene with Trooper Smith, they have a lot of pathos. Well, I'll tell you what, according to the trivia, and we have to go back and look because, again, I give the IMDB trivia a grain of salt, but it says that the medal that Captain Brittles is wearing during the final troop review is the GAR, Grand Army of the Republic Medal. Maybe it is, but it looked like a it looked like Medal of Honor to me, but maybe it is a GAR medal. Be honest with you, Mark, I saw I thought the same thing as you when I, I saw that. I was like, shit, were they even given that medal then? Yeah, it came out in the Civil War. Yeah, I and I thought the same thing as you until I pulled up the trivia. I'm like, well, I don't remember the GAR, but um, all right. There was a great bit in the Custer family that just drove George Armstrong Custer crazy. I think Tom, his brother, got two medals of honor during the Civil War, and Custer never got a medal of honor. His brother it, got two? Yeah, I believe he he earned two medals of honor. Tom did. Yeah, it is a GAR medal. I just checked. Right. How the hell do you get two medals of honor? All right, now I gotta look it up. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I believe Tom earned two medals of honor. And by the way, folks, Steve lives in Indianapolis, and there's an incredible, uh, there's an incredible medal of honor memorial that you have to see at night. Yes, absolutely. It yeah. is, uh, folks. It if you ever come to Indianapolis, go to the Medal of Honor Memorial, Mark. We were proud to uh, do the uh, color guard for that. When they christened that memorial, we had the honor and the privilege of meeting about 45 Medal of Honor winners and um, and helping open as act as the color guard that Medal of Honor um, memorial. And it, it is it is stunning at night, isn't it, Steve? Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it was uh, to meet a bunch of Medal of Honor winners uh, going back to the Second World War through Vietnam. It was an honor and privilege. But back to the movie. It is not a Medal of Honor. It's a GAR medal. GAR stands for Grand Army of the Republic. All right, folks, that is it with our favorite scenes. We are now going to move on to uh, trivia. Uh, let's see. Number one, when Sergeant Quinn Cannon, who is Mi- Victor, McLaughlin. whatever his name is. Watch I mentioned them. he's from Scotland. Watch them words. Yeah. Uh, he is addressing the troops and is warning them to watch them words. He asks, who owns a dog that has wandered over and was watching the assembled soldiers? Not receiving an answer, he concludes, nice dog, Irish Sutter. The scene was imp- improvised. 
on the spot by director John, uh, John Ford. The dog was an unnamed Navajo pet that had fallen asleep during the setup. Multiple takes were required because uh, uh, Mc- McLaughlin kept blowing the line, calling the dog a cocker spaniel. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> that dog, <laughs> at one point I'm like, when you see the scene, you're like, is that dog dead? Because yeah. <laughs> he never moved. I mean, when he's walking up and down, the dog never moves. And it wasn't until later where he kind of like nudges the dog. The dog just kind of like moves a paw. Kind <laughs> of looks at him like, yeah. And that's the other thing. This movie had dogs in it. Oh, yeah. Barking. You heard a lot of barking in this movie. And there's like two dogs that were with the patrol. There are dogs wandering on the set. I mean, they're just wandering around. Yeah, yeah, it was great. All right, uh, John Ford decided to cast John Wayne as Captain Nathan Brittles after seeing his performance as Thomas Dunson in Red River, which was made in 1948. Great movie. I, which I've never seen, and now I am like on a, uh, a mission, a crusade, if you will, to watch all, all these John Wayne movies. Let's see, John Wayne, who was 41 when this film was made, won uh, great acclaim for his convincing portrayal of a 60-year-old Captain Brittles. Man, he was 41 in 1949. Well, like I said, when you look at his IMDb filmography, I mean, this dude was doing movies, I think, when they just started doing talkies. I mean, he was doing stuff like in the the mid-20s. Folks. And his last movie was, I think, 76, 77. Yeah. And, that, and he knew he was dying of cancer. So when you watch the movie The Shootist, it's it's almost autobiographical. And the worst part of that movie is Ron Howard. Wow. Yeah, he's in the movie. Ron Howard's in the movie? Uh-huh. You need to watch it. The movie's good. It's just Ron Howard knocks it down a notch. That can happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, In the graveyard, one of the crosses carries the name Devoto. This is a likely homage to Bernard Devoto, a prominent historian of the American West. Nice. like it. Uh, We've talked about this earlier. The medal that Captain Brittles is wearing during the final troop review is the GAR, the Grand Army of the Republic, which is a medal worn by Union veterans of the Civil War. Uh, based on the paintings and illustrations of Frederick Remington. Remington, thank you, the artist renowned for his nostalgic packaging of the bygone real West for an urban public. And, oh, my God, Remington just has some incredible paintings. It does feel, and, and you'll probably touch on this, the cinematographer and where this play, where it was shot just gives you the feel of a Remington um, painting. It's just stunning the cinematography in this movie and i think that's what this movie is really renowned for because it's not the it's not that classic western where they kept kind of like running around the same mesa the whole time it's (laughs) whole different scenes i mean every time you saw them it's like okay this is a completely different area they're in the cinematography of this movie is absolutely fantastic All right, uh, let's see. John Wayne felt his first Oscar nomination should have been for this film instead of Sands of Iwo Jima, which was made in 1949. I agree. I think this is a much better role for an actor. 
But I'll tell you what, after, I mean, I've seen Sands of Iwo Jima, and that was actually one of my favorite John Wayne movies, other than The Fighting Seabees. Don't, don't start with me, Slover. Just saying. Indeed. You know what? I'm, you're coming out there with Springfields and a bulldozer. How do you not love that? Okay. All right. Saying. We'll, we'll discuss that another day. No, I, I have to agree. After seeing this is, and knowing the Sands of Iwo Jima, yeah, the, this was a much better, uh, John Wayne, uh, performance. All right, uh, we are done with the trivia, so we have to move on to one of the best parts of the show. Brother, what are you drinking? Steve, it's time for me to take me medicine. It tastes horrible. And tonight I am enjoying a fine Kentucky bourbon known as Willett's Bourbon. 47% volume, 94 proof, alcohol. The bottle is gorgeous. It's in the shape of a pot still, if you're familiar with it. Willits is one of my favorite bourbons, not only for the uh, lovely bottle, but the um, bourbon. It's about a 10-year-old bourbon, 94 proof. It's a very, uh, if you can find it, I highly recommend it. You're going to pay about $45-$50 for it. Um, lightly, very, it's kind of got an oaky taste, kind of a white oak flavor, because I don't think they char the barrels. Nice sugary maple, um, vanilla flavor on the back end. Somebody said it kind of tastes like hot buttered popcorn drizzled with marshmallows. And that's not a bad thing. It, it is a wonderful, very smooth drinking, um, bourbon. It's called Willett's, W-I-L-L-E-T-T. Um, highly recommend it and drinking it in honor of Sergeant Quinn Cannon. And since, you know, it's a man's work ahead of us, I'll just throw out the other thing I had prior to this. There's a very fine brewery here in town called West Sixth, and they have a lemongrass American wheat ale that they just started um, putting out for public consumption beyond the brewery. And it's a, it's a very crisp, hoppy, it's kind of a mix between a pale ale and a wheat, Steve. When you're down here, we've got to go. Um, I've got to take you to the the three breweries that have opened, so you can just kind of go on a pub crawl with me and enjoy their their brew. But it's a it's a very spring is coming, so it's a very nice lemon grass wheat. Very nice. And you? Well, I'll tell you what. I am knocking back a little bit of um, uh, some of our local brew today. Went over to my favorite liquor store. Didn't have anything there that was like really blowing my skirt up, uh, new and different. So I got one of the uh, the local favorites here again. It's the Sun King, uh, the Cream Ale. Uh. yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I apologize for those of you who live out of uh, Indiana that can't get this. Uh. Um, hey, you know what? Move to Indiana. You can get this stuff. It's good beer. And you've got another two breweries opening. I read. There's actually two new breweries opening up in my hometown of Westfield. Yeah, uh, we, we, I'm telling you right now. You're it, just gonna just we're just gonna take the car keys away from you. Uh, well, actually, one of them's gonna be in walking distance, so <laughs> that's gonna be awesome. Where? Or or actually, it could be really bad for me. Where? You can it's staggering distance. Kind of. Well, depending on how 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 staggering we can get. I mean. I've had the stagger home from the mill once, and that was kind of <laughs> Ooh, you could get hit. No, I could get shot. That was the other part. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. I didn't know that was your backyard, sir. No, yeah, we've got uh, – there's a couple of new breweries that are going to be opening up here in uh, my great little town of Westfield. 
and um, I'm very excited about it. And they're going to be there is a lot of English uh, style uh, brews that they're going to be doing, so it's going to be cool. But no, this one here, Sun King, it is. Uh, these guys are right out in Indianapolis. Great brewery, folks. If you are even near Indiana, stop, find Sun King, pick up anything that they do, whether it's the Wemac, their IPAs, anything they get. Seriously, you will love it. Great stuff. Yeah. Cannot recommend these guys. And we are not on the payroll. I am just a huge fan of their stuff. Yeah, Indy, I got to say, Indianapolis and recently Lexington, Kentucky, we're known for our bourbon. We've opened three breweries and a couple more are coming online. I, but I got to say, Indianapolis has some very, very, very fine breweries. So does Indiana when you think about Three Floyds and some of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, that state has really embraced small batch brewing, and you have some fine brew pubs in that town. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, just not to go off on a uh, big tangent, but we, I mean, Founders, Indianapolis, wow. um, you got Sunkey, you got Three Floyds, uh, out back up in the region, uh, Flat 12, the Fountain Dudes. Oh, shit, what the hell's their name? It's just, there's, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Well, Broad Ripple Brew Pub was the first. Well, well yeah, the brew pub started all. Yeah, and, and it just kind of grew out from there. And Indiana is, and like I said, now Westfield, they're bringing in their it's craft brews. I mean, it's just going to be little brew pubs growing up. And yeah, I, it, it's becoming the little tiny growing industry in the state. And um, good stuff. I mean, and I know it's not. I mean, I'm, I'm sure other states are doing their own thing. Everybody's doing their stuff. But again, we're you know, who's your pride? We're just throwing it out there, guys. If you come through. Try our stuff. Let us know what you think. Just so you know, Mark, mm. I am also chasing down my Sun King Cream Ale with some Bullet Bourbon. Oh, good man. Because you know what? I'm like, you know, this bottle just screams John Wayne. Oh, that's a great. That's a that's a fun little bourbon. It's a it's a great little bourbon. It's it. it uh, what second third shelf? I would say second yeah, shelf. It's it's a mid range bourbon. Very. Yeah, mid-range bourbon, pretty good stuff. <clears throat> and for this movie, I'll tell you what, it just screams Western. When, <laughs> when, you, when you see the bottle, you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. So there you yeah, go. Good rye. They have a very good rye. And I was trying to find it, and they didn't have any. Do you know how hard it is to find rye bourbon in this state? You know, and I'll bring you some next time. Good Lord. God help me. All right, folks, that is it with uh, trivia, Brother What You're Drinking, and... Uh, Indiana craft breweries, please come visit us because you know what? We are wonderful people here in Indiana and we love visitors. Amen. Uh, so now we are going to move on to clips. Clips! One of our favorite parts of the show. And I have to bring up my clip thing because I don't have my flipping money. All right. Uh, let's see. This is, um, I've got a few clips here for us to listen to. All right. So number one. Cheetle the paymaster, ain't it? Yeah. Looks like we ain't gonna get paid for another three months. You know, I think that happened a lot back then. Yeah, that's right at the beginning of the movie. That kind of sets the tone for the movie. Yep, that's when the paymaster pretty much got ambushed and the Indians took the payroll and killed the paymaster. Yeah, and that comes back later in the movie. It does. All right, uh, this is when, um, ah, here, number, well, let's see, I'm trying to think of what the hell, all right, never mind. The water bottle. Will, 
How did it ever get there, sir? Now, how do you suppose? How long have you known it, sir? Ever since the Second Battle of Bull Run, you thickhead. And you've been deceiving me all these years. So that's when Sergeant Quinn Cannon realizes that Captain Brittles knows where he's been hiding his bourbon, his whiskey. <laughs> I love that scene. That was just, I love how he turns it around. So you've been deceiving me all these years. years. I've been hiding it in your, in your cabin. You knew it, but it's my, it's your fault because you never told me. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like something Muncie would say. It would be something Muncie would do. All right. You got a breath on you like a hot mince pie. Oh, Captain Jolly Dogs, you will know I took the page after Chipotle page. And Bull Run and Gettysburg and Shiloh and St. Patrick's Day. On <laughs> Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like us. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. All right, here's uh, one. I call this one the whiskey tax. Well, the Army will never be the same when we retire, sir. The Army is always the same. The sun and the moon change. The army knows no seasons. Here we are in our prime, and they're turning us out to pasture. It's an abuse of the taxpayers' money, I called it, sir. The only tax you ever paid was a whiskey tax. Ready? Ready, sir. <laughs> That's when they get ready to march out. Yep. And I'll tell you what, that one here for uh, for all of you guys, Captain Dyer, I think, Darwin, you said you served back in the day. For all of you guys that served, uh, God bless you. We appreciate it, and I pulled that clip because when he said, you know, the army's going to go on, I it, part of that was I was thinking about you guys when I heard that clip. So that one's for you guys and for all of you guys out there that have served. Yeah. God bless you all. Uh, God, I think who I'm trying to remember who uh, I have to look back on the uh, the Facebook page, but uh, he I don't know. He actually posted us up. He he knew this movie. Well, yeah, I think it was. It was this his quote, or I don't know if it was him or Darwin. But look at the clan mark on this arrow. It's a sign of the dog. That arrow came from the bow of a southern Cheyenne dog soldier. Well, what in blazes did the Cheyennes be doing this for, South Sergeant? That ain't my department, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Mr. Nicely. Was that Mr. Nicely? All right, there you go, I Dean. He that was for you, bud. He uses it regularly. It's not my department, sir. It's not my department. Yeah, go talk to the union guy over there. <laughs> My pay grade, sir. Oh, gosh. All right, uh, number five. Are well, you going to stand there all morning? Well, I'm sorry, Captain Dunn. Don't apologize. It's a, it's a sign, sign of weakness. weakness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, uh, Ken, this one's for you. There's a party of Cheyenne dog soldiers raiding this territory. I have a feeling that every woman who... Remains... How many hours in territory? Two. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is, you have to see the scene, because Major Allshirt smoking his pipe, he's got his feet up, and he's just like, pulls his pipe out. Two. He doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just write your report. Just get Very good, it. Nathan. I'll file it with the rest of them. Yeah. All right. Uh... I... And is a follow-up. And in conclusion, I respectfully protest the decision of my commanding officer to saddle this troop with his female relations. One L. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I just love when he's writing his uh, his 
written protest, the major is actually helping him spell it out. That's awesome. I mean, the the writing in this movie, and that is one thing that I had to mention, the writing in this thing is fantastic. It's great stuff. Sergeant Diary, I'm ordering you to volunteer again. Yeah. (laughs) Did you catch that? Oh, God. All right. Yeah, the the writing in this movie is very very dry, very matter-of-fact. But there, there are some great, well, there's some great warm, touching moments. But there's some great funny moments in this movie. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one here I call Fifty Cent. I catch a lot of buffalo. It reminds me of the old days <laughs> when whiskey was fifty cents a gallon. <laughs> oh my God! I'd be dead. You would be dead. You'd just be pickled. Fifty cents a gallon. That that's the kind of whiskey that turn you blind. Oh, okay. That's so it's not like what I'm drinking now. No, it's turpentine. Remember that? Remember that shit I gave you in Fort Wayne? Oh Jesus! Remember the whiskey ration you got in Fort Wayne? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm trying to forget that. All right, moving on. Uh, I call this one old farts. Deny the hostile to use of this Ford. First squad. Second squad! The second squad has too many old married men. First squad! Fifth squad! We that bum on the right! I'll tell you what, this is what I love about that lieutenant. Never missed a beat. Nope. Just rattled off another squad. There's just some great matter of fact. We all know our business and we're professionals. Yes. The actors really embrace their roles and... Whether or not they had great advisors, these guys knew how to just inhabit that kind of a role and just okay, we're, we're pros and yeah. we're and, and this is what we do. Right. Uh, this one, this is clip number uh, God knows whatever, but I I refer to it is this was me last week at Jeff Muncy's house. We hunt buffalo, get drunk together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! No, friend, I must go. <laughs> so you were Captain Brittle? No. Yeah, that was that was Jeff talking. That was me. I must go. Yeah, I had to leave. I'm yeah. like, You're out of control. All right. Um, <laughs> Get drunk and hunt buffalo. Wow. Hunt buffalo. Yeah. All right. Uh, last and certainly not least, I had to pull this one out, but um, this is when. Uh, Captain Brittle got his uh, common or, or his commission to be a Union Scout, and all of the references that he had, and I had to throw this in there because it's an homage. Yes, it's my appointment, Chief of Scouts, with a rank of Lieutenant Colonel. And will you look at those endorsements? Phil Sheridan, William Tecumseh Sherman, and Ulysses Simpson Grant. President of the United States of America. There's three aces for you, boy. Yeah, but I kind of wish you'd have been a hold in the full hand. Huh? Full hand? What do you mean, full hand? Robert E. Lee, sir. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Sergeant Tyree's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't have Bobby Lee. He was in the camp. Yeah, Bobby Lee's on there. He's like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? I love John Wayne. It's like, huh? <laughs> huh? 
All right. Uh, so that is it with clips, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed those. It is now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. Number one. Did anyone jump through a window? People got thrown into fires. I, I wouldn't say anyone jumped through a window, but a couple of bottles of uh, some type of whiskey got Ooh. thrown to through a window. A bottle of Irish whiskey and the glasses got pitched through a window, mm-hmm. which almost equates, in some ways, that's almost worse. You know, while a person didn't get thrown through a window, a bottle of Irish whiskey did get thrown through a window. So I'm going to have to say yes on this one. That Oh, my God. Yeah. Painful. I mean, I would say even without Counselor Roney here, um, and how many R's are in Roney, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm going to second that motion. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion carried. Uh, so there we go. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? You first. Well, I'm just gonna say right off the bat. Uh, yeah. I mean. I mean, she was nice eye candy. Don't get me wrong. Seriously, you're going there, huh? I am going there. You didn't need her. She wasn't there. You needed her for the tension between the two lieutenants. We're going to have a divided jury on that one. I think she needed to be there for the story because you had the whole tension between the lieutenants. They could have done it other ways, but I, I like it. It's a 1940s thing. It is. Okay. Figure how to get a woman in the movie. Okay. If we're going to do it from that standpoint, if we're going to do it where we place it in that period, okay, fine. I'll I'll go with that. I mean, it was was the vehicle to have a woman in the movie, a young, attractive woman. That's what that was. All right. Let's see. Uh, Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? And just so we understand, this is Tawny Katane in that period. Well, she wasn't born yet. Oh, I know she wasn't born yet, but, but I mean, he, could you could he, you see her in that role? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like sprayed yeah. out across the, uh, the side saddle. Holy hell, yeah! To be honest with you, actually, this is uh, that that role was pretty much a Tawny Katane role. Oh, yes. If they had updated the movie, yeah, she had that look about her so yes i'd say tawny could have pulled this off and done a credible job absolutely all right uh let's see number whatever was there an AT montage in this movie you know they didn't do this kind of stuff you didn't get the montage thing going until like probably about the 80s so this Maybe. one's Maybe the 60s, some of the TV shows started to introduce little bits. Yeah. But no, I don't see an A-Team montage. But that's a Ken Roney. Ken is the expert at A-Team montages, but I didn't see it. Did you? No. I didn't, no, not in this one. No. Okay. No. Well, the Babylon 5 thing is going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're just going to play it just for shits and gills. And so it begins. Was there B5 reference in this movie? Actually, I don't know if anybody on B5 was even bored yet. How about no? I'm guessing. You know, I'm pretty, I, I think we're pretty good to say no. No. That was a big no. 
No, maybe if they'd been in the Shadow War a thousand years prior, most of these people were dead by then or so so physically broken down that they couldn't appear on a set. So, yeah, no, no B5 reference. Yeah, no B5 reference. We're pretty safe on saying this one. All right, folks, that is it with the Man Cave movie review checklist. It is now time to move on to, and we're going to do something different here. All right. Uh, Jeff and I talked uh, earlier, and I think this is a very good idea. Every show, we are going to just say, somebody close it out. Somebody give it a review, because we all have kind of, I mean, unless we're like completely on the opposite side. Right. We all kind of say the ditto thing and you know, whatever, but whoever really likes the movie, you close it out. Oh. And if somebody has like, if it's one of those things where it's like, all right, this movie sucked, and everybody else liked it. So, so there can be like the um, Supreme Court where you can. Yeah, I mean, opinion. exactly, exactly. You know what? You write the opinion. Right. So this one's for you, Mark. You write the opinion on this one. I, you know, I said it at the beginning. I love this movie. It it is one of my favorite John Wayne movies. I think it does a great job of presenting the cavalry genre of the Western. And it has terrific um, writing, terrific directing with John Ford, a, a outstanding um, director of Westerns. And some of the finest cinematography you'll ever see in a movie. I would, I would love to see this movie on the big screen. I've never seen it that way, and I think it would be an impressive movie to see. I think it's one of John Wayne's finest. It it hits all the right notes for a western um, of men, duty, honor, everything that a that a western is meant to be. And I think it also is very respectful to Native Americans. It tells a good story. It has humor. It has pathos. A great example of leadership, as we've discussed. So. I would say, I'm not going to give it, since we're going to go with this new rating system, I'm not going to give it a point rating. I'm just going to say it is a very good movie that I highly recommend to our listeners. I think if you like westerns, you will very much enjoy this. And you will walk away from this movie going, they don't make movies like this anymore, and it's a shame. Because on so many levels, from the acting to the directing to the cinematography, it is a joy to watch. So I'm going to say to our listeners, don't miss this movie. It is it is an outstanding example of American filmmaking. Uh, Mark, don't get me wrong. You can give it a rating. I mean, that's... Oh, okay, well, 10. <laughs> I, but I'm biased. I love this movie. Yeah. And I'm just going to say, uh, ditto's of what Mark said. He pretty much is going to echo what I think a lot of us have said. I, the only thing that I will add to this is... Folks, I am not a Western uh, fan. I'm, I'll watch them. Don't get me wrong. I do like Westerns. It, it, they're not my go-to movies. I love this one. It is going to go on my collection. I am going to buy it. It's very good, especially for the time it was made. My Westerns were the Clint Eastwood movies from the 60s. Um, all those spaghetti Westerns that were done, to me, those are Westerns. This is a very good movie. I will give it an eight. That's my review. Going to move on. Because like I said, we're doing a new type of review now. We're going to have a Supreme Court justice that is just going to, unless there's a, a like a dissenting opinion, Yes. we're just going to move on. 
we pick these movies because we all pretty much figure, yeah, we're all we're all gonna like it, right? So. Or we're gonna dog on it. Yeah, or we're gonna dog on it. So, perfect. All right, folks, that is it with Man Cave Movie Review episode one hundred and three. Uh, check us out our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. And leave us a comment and tell us if you like the show. And uh, look for us on uh, Stitcher and uh, follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until then, I am your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. That's not my department, sir. Slower. How many M's in Man Cave Movie Review? Three? Four. If you say so. I'm, I'm trying to think. Man Cave Movie Review. <laughs> Shit. I, I didn't think- know there was going to be a test. <laughs> Son of a bitch must pay. All right. And uh, on behalf of our other very good and dear friends, uh, Ken, how many R's there are in Roni, and our other very good and dear friend, Jeff, he wears a yellow garter Muncie. They're saying farewell and adieu in our Wiedersehen because they couldn't be here, and they will be reprimanded for not being here. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Until next week, ciao.